All right, let's do the thing. All right. Start the show. Good timing. <laughs> Almost like I knew what I was doing. Oh my gosh, have you done this before? That was completely on accident. Nevertheless, here we are. The here Happy are. and Holy Podcast. Right where we belong together. Right, right where we belong. However, I am not where I usually am. You have a change of location. Please, Wenny, tell us where you are. I, <laughs> I am I'm in Harrisburg, PA. What are you doing in Harrisburg? I'm on location for a job. <laughs> um yeah, so I'm I'm definitely traveling for work and that has brought me to Harrisburg. Um I don't know how I feel about it being that Harrisburg was a um, past place of residence. I feel like I'm visiting an ex-boyfriend because there's kind of some nostalgia, but then there's kind of some like, ugh, this is what I don't like about the city. Mm-hmm. But then like, you know, I go for a walk by the river and I'm like, oh, kind of, you know, ex-vibes. There's a reason why you guys broke up, but there's also a reason why you guys got together. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like the feeling's mutual. Feelings mm-hmm. mutual and um, well, irreconcilable differences. We'll say, that. We'll, we'll say that, but we're here. <laughs> I may look like, you know, it's kind of like a sheet behind me. I didn't put that sheet there. Um, I got a little curtain thing. It's all good, um, but I'm match. here. Yeah, we do. We're, we're matching, but I'm here and I'm tired, but we're recording. Here we are, practically we, sedated and recording. We're doing it. Um, we took a week off, which was great. Mm-hmm. You know, missed you guys. Man, our last episode kind of took off for us, okay? I know, like, two 2,500 views for somebody is like, that's chump change. But for us, a show that is two months old, Seriously, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for sharing and liking and subscribing. Yeah, shout out to our new subscribers. Thank you guys for checking us out on YouTube. And those who've been downloading the podcast, we appreciate you. Those who are taking a walk right now, whether you're on a treadmill at the park, headed to your favorite grocery store, if you're in a car listening to us, we uh, we're here for the ride. Mm-hmm. And so, um, thanks for the downloads. Thanks for checking us out again. Thank you, YouTubers, YouTube fam. Um, it's fun to watch our YouTube family grow. Um, we are we won't release the details, but we have been studying the demographics, 
and we have found some interesting results. And so we just want to um, we want to remind you guys to like, subscribe, and share. Mm-hmm. Always comment. Let us know that you stopped by. Um, anything else other than that? Uh, we are listed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever podcasts are, there we will be. Mm-hmm. Jamie, tell them about the website. So I would really appreciate if you guys would go to www.happyandholyco.com because I spent a lot of time with some people in Eastern Europe trying to direct that site to the right location. And when you are there, you will find us all the resources that will lead you to the mediums to listen to our podcast. And also you'll be the first to know about our merch drops. We're getting merch. We are going to be rocking happy and holy all summer long. This is the summer of holiness and happiness. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Which brings me to our next part. Happy and holy. The phrase coined by Mr. Bulgaria himself. Georgian Banoff, who actually just returned from Bulgaria, took a little missions trip out with his peoples. They went and they loved on some gypsies and on the beautiful nation of Bulgaria. They also went to Turkey and they touched Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mr. Bulgaria himself, Georgian Banoff, one half of the Joy Apostles, Georgian and Winnie Banoff. Winnie Coco Banoff, <laughs> one half of the Joy Apostles, and his phrase goes like so. The world wants you happy, but not holy. Religion wants you holy, but not happy. But Jesus came to make you both. <laughs> That's never not going to be good news. Jesus yeah. came to make, you both. to make you both. Gospel means good news. It's the good news. And need us remind you, okay? If you are to hear, come across, pick up, eavesdrop any bad news gospel that tries to tell you that God cares more about your holiness than your happiness run I had run for three years two months 14 days and 16 hours run away and don't look back don't be Lot's wife <laughs> don't do not look back. Don't get, um, salty. Don't get don't. salty like Lot's wife. Because bad theology like that will leave you salty. 
Mm-hmm. I got to drink to that because. Uh-oh. You and your seltzer. I should have did a little. <laughs> a little pinky up. Hey, listen, if you're not on YouTube, you can't see the antics. You can't see the visual antics. You only get to embrace the voice. But listen, get on YouTube. It's the best of both worlds. Listen to us on the go. But when you're, you know, you're home, doing your little thing, cleaning, cooking, we're here. We're your girls. So we've been enjoying it. Just reminding you of 2 Corinthians 124, where Paul says, hey, we're not trying to dictate how you must live out your trust in the Messiah. Oh, Jamie's getting her Bible. One for of the many. your trust. <laughs> for Paul says, for in your trust, you are standing firm. Rather, we are working with you for your own happiness. First Corinthians. Nope. Second Corinthians one. I always get the two and the one mixed up. It's so hard when there's a sequel. It's so hard. Second Corinthians one twenty four. What you got? I got the ESV over here. Um, I don't know why I was kind of vibing with it the past couple of days. She was a, she was a mainstay for me for a very long time. Um, and we're, we're kind of rekindling our romance. So in the ESV, that same verse, second Corinthians one twenty four. not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Help us if you join. Yeah. Yeah. So this is working with you for your joy. Ooh, working with you for your joy. Mm-hmm. Where does the phrase helpers of your joy come from? I think that one was in a um, kind of King James type of Bible, which the closest I got for you. Down, not me <laughs> reaching down to the, um, this is the Jubilee. Which, if you're Reaching a new down into your viewer, if you're a new viewer, this is my baby. Um, you'll hear me talk about this a lot. Um, I'm sure throughout this time, it is an English translation of the Reign of Alera, which is the King James of Spain. To put it simply, um, for time's sake, I am just brushing over that Second Corinthians one twenty four, not. For that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. My favorite translation. My favorite. Jubilee has like, um, for those that are interested in the Jubilee, um, it's really great with like standalone verses. It's a little clunky to read because of the yees and the and the these and the thous. But mm. um, for, for standalone verses, this is a great, great guy to have. So we love this. So the Happy and Holy podcast, we are just helpers of your joy. Two girls talking about a little bit of faith, a little bit of culture, a little bit of everything in between. We touch on entertainment. We touch on fashion. We touch on Bible. Maybe we get into a little hermeneutics. Maybe we get into a little eschatology. Maybe we'll break out the Strong's Concordance. You don't know. Maybe we'll break out Us Magazine. Who cares? 
All that matters is that we're here to tell you that Jesus came so that you can live a life happy and holy. It's not either or. It's both and. And so happy and holy, we are here. And to answer the question about culture, why should we care about culture? Um, Maybe you're here and you're saying, girls, I've checked out your podcast before. I heard you talking about Kim Kardashian. I don't care. I checked out your podcast before and you were talking about Justin and Haley. I don't care. Why do I care about culture? And need I remind you that culture um, sets the pace for the world. If the church is abstaining from culture, the church is abstaining from influence. Can't ignore culture. We can't be ostriches that stick our head in the sand and abstain from what's going on in the world through culture. Ladies and gentlemen, they are trafficking your children through media. And so if you're not aware of what they're doing, you're not aware of who's influencing your children. My guess is that it's not you if you're not aware of everything that they're doing. And so get in the know of what, uh, of how the world, which is not the kingdom, is trying to influence. Culture is important. Culture doesn't dictate the church, but the church should dictate culture. However, (laughs) when the world's trying to tell you that robots are (laughs) non-binary. Robots are only binary. One, zero, one, zero, zero, one. First of all. (laughs) It's like the one thing that robots are. You try to take that away. How about the robot's identity? Did anyone stop to think about the robot's identity? Unbelievable. <laughs> I think um, also when it comes to discussing culture, culture, um, pop culture, these different forms of media, we have to remember this is art. And so to one, think you are like too good to pay attention to that. Um, you're not paying attention to the artists of our day. You know, you couldn't, you wouldn't say that if you were living through the Renaissance in Italy saying, okay. oh, I'm not going to pay attention to the culture. Well, the culture was shaped by artists and those artists at that time, because the church was the influence of the culture, those artists were funded by, commissioned by the church yes. and the church shaped culture. How did they shape culture in the past? through art. And while the church did have control many times through political partnerships, through leaders and monarchs, the way the church shaped culture in history really effectively was through yeah. art. Yep. And I love that we have our our uh David That's over here, man. Michelangelo's David. Um this was a piece that was commissioned by the church, um, I think, um, I don't know where it was. I think this statue is presently in Florence, but the, the church, the, the Vatican, um, whatever it's, whatever it's doing now at the time was creating great art through artists like Michelangelo, like Leonardo da Vinci, um, but many, many others throughout that period. And then, um, and further in through history where the church has been a major supporter of the arts. And that has really worked 
for the benefit of both the artist and the church. And um, I think we also need to remember as well as, as humans who were created in the image of God, uh, we have to think about our father and what he is like and how he creates. And if you look at your own design as a human, or if you go outside and you look at the design of nature, you cannot say that this was not well done, that this wasn't done with detail and that it wasn't done with beauty. Everything that God creates is evidence that he cares about aesthetic and he cares about details and he cares about being thorough. And that all of that speaks to glorify him. And that is said in his word that that creation glorifies him and that people who see creation should know God because they have seen creation and that is evidence of God. And so as people who were made in his image, we to operate by design the way God designed us, we actually need to be creating and we need to be creating for many of us art. And in that, we need to surround ourselves with beauty because the Lord surrounds his, himself with beauty. And we need to mm-hmm. think about what does heaven look like? Heaven is a beautiful place. Um, to all I know who have been there and according to accounts in Revelation and Ezekiel, sounds gorgeous. Uh, it's a beautifully designed, thorough place. Even just looking at the the new heavens and the new earth, when you look at the design of New Jerusalem, there's a lot of, um, a lot of stones, a lot of beautiful items that are mentioned as to what everything is, is made out of. Mm -hmm. And so if, if that's what God, God's home looks like, if that's what he surrounds himself with, how much more important is for us as imagers of God to model our behavior after our fathers, to surround ourselves with beauty, to create beautiful things and to care about art. And to care. Well, and however, whatever medium that art comes through, it's important to be aware and engaged, understand the time, understand that culture changes with time, understand that art changes with time. Sometimes there's timeless pieces, but get engaged and know, know when things are changing. Um, because when the church is silent on, this is important for people, for parents and maybe older siblings or youth leaders. If we have any youth leaders listening, pastors listening, parents listening, um, older siblings, uh, big brother, big sisters and spirit, spiritual parents. This is important to know that when the church is silent on issues that culture is screaming about. And the reason why I say culture is screaming about is because you can't miss what um, culture is trying to throw in our face right now. So when the church is silent on the very things that culture is screaming about, then a whole entire generation, the Gen Z, the Gen Alpha, they're only going to hear one worldview about it. So when we don't talk about it, when we don't talk about sex, um, when we don't talk about art and the purpose of art, um, when we don't talk about uh, adulting, all these things that like the church can be at the forefront of it and talk about it. When we're quiet about it, someone else is going to speak for us. And as millennials, Jamie and I kind of been the byproduct of that, where the church was silent on things that culture was teaching us. I was a child raised on television. That That's not 
everybody's story. Um, I dated somebody who whose parents, um, he was homeschooled and his parents did not allow TV in his room. And so it's like, that's not everybody's story. But for me, I was raised on TV. And so that was my worldview. And that was the principle of first mention. And the principle of first mention is that who's, that is who taught me about sex. That's who taught me about money. That's who taught me about, that's who taught me about friendship, <laughs> all these things. And so the church has to speak up, got to disciple up, got to man up, got to train up a generation so that you can navigate through all these cultural issues with truth and love, truth and love, compassion and truth, which we'll talk about later, but step into those cultural issues with truth and love enough with the ostrich, no more ostriches in the kingdom, (laughs) which I don't even know if that's a myth or if that's like a real thing. Like, Maybe I'll, I'll Google it later, but I don't know if it's like a, a, like a wives tale, you know, like when they used to tell you that like turkeys are so dumb that they would drown themselves because they would stare at the rain. I've not heard this. That sounds well, wild. I used to be told that when I was little and then I found out it wasn't true. No, I'm so, so glad I never was told this lie to only be disappointed with truth. Yeah. Because I was like, Oh, turkeys are so stupid. And then I found out I'm the dumb one who believed the person who told me that. And, um, so now I'm going to have to Google if you're listening to the show and you want to contribute, I say comment and tell me if this is real. Do ostriches really stick their hand in the sand? Let us know in the comments, <laughs> please. <laughs> I love how so like end of the world. Please tell us in the comments. Um, well, I'm glad that we got to talk about the idea of culture, the idea of happiness, and the idea of holiness, and how we need to be aware and have these conversations with people. Because if we don't, other people will try to tell us. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to, um, I want to say, I want to say we're moving into digital here. Jamie. What's up? Did you hear? Tell me. AOC. Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She has a standard of holiness. Oh. And she would be the expert. Yes. A um, self-appointed expert, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has now defined holiness for us. Would you oh, like to hear? Oh, thank God. <laughs> Let's see how she defines holy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's very difficult to sit here and listen to, her. to arguments <laughs> oh, in oh. a long history of this country of using scripture and weaponizing and abusing scripture to justify bigotry. White oh, supremacists God. have done it. Those who justified slavery did it. Those who fought against integration did it. And we're seeing it today. And 
Sometimes, especially in this body, I feel as though if Christ himself walked through these doors and said what he said thousands of years ago, that we should love our neighbor and our enemy, that we should welcome the stranger, fight for the least of us, that it is easier for a rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into a kingdom of heaven. He would be maligned as a radical and rejected from these doors. And I know, and it is part of my faith, that all people are holy and all people are sacred unconditionally. And that is what makes faith sometimes, that's what what prompts us to transform because it is unconditional. It's not about that it is up to us to love parts of people. We love all people. There is nothing holy about rejecting medical care of people, no matter who they are on the grounds of what their identity is. There is nothing holy about turning someone away from a hospital. There's nothing holy about about rejecting a child from a family. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law. And I am tired of communities of being of faith being weaponized and being mischaracterized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. It is not up to us. It is not up to us to deny medical care. It is up to us to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to protect children, and to love all people as ourselves. She has the wrong job. What? She's in entirely the wrong job. Why do you say that? Because she's acting like she's talking like she's freaking Mother Teresa. Like, okay, go and like serve lepers if that's how you feel. Like, if you really feel that way, you should be in a leper colony. (laughs) I need to take just that sound by the person. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm I'm tired of it. The other thing I didn't notice this until. until this watch, um, she was mentioning things like, yeah, the, no, when no. she started on the, it's not okay to, to reject healthcare and all the other things she was mentioning. I was like, what instances are you referring to? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? And the fact that this like room full of experienced government professionals just let her run her mouth. I either they were wanting her to make a fool of herself or they were like, get a sound bite and then give it to the youth of America because this is so impassioned that like young people who don't know any better would be like, oh my God, I totally agree with her. About what? She didn't say anything. I know, but it it sounds very compassionate and it sounds very um like it's that humanitarian side that you you connect with and you're like, oh, she's an Avenger because she's like, I'm tired of, there's nothing holy about rejecting healthcare. Well, hold on. What do you consider healthcare? Because they consider abortion, women's healthcare. Um, there's nothing holy about um, also 
their idea of rejecting healthcare is not is not allowing the government to pay for children to be mutilated. If they want to remove their breasts, they feel like the government should pay for that. And they don't like that there's different states that don't allow you to do gender reassignment surgery. And so they think um, that that's rejecting health care. Yeah, the, the whole definition of what she's talking about when she is saying the things that we should not turn people away from. She's being very unclear on that. And uh, when she was, when she was talking about the only time that scripture is invoked is in the name of bigotry. What evidence do you have of that? (laughs) You've been in the government for like one year. And you're a fresh 23. Fresh. Don't tell me anything. You have been, you are 12 years old. In responsibility years, yeah. And um, again, I think this is why it's important to be conscientious of the things that people talk about as far as maybe um, you have representatives as she, I, okay, I'll say this. The most ironic thing about this whole thing is that how she said that the church uses scripture and maybe um, religious lore, right, to justify the de- dehumanizing of people. But then she used the religious lore to manipulate you into feeling like you're not doing enough. And so she's like, all people are holy. All people are sacred. Um, It's not holy to not care for gender reassignment. It's not holy to reject health care. So she she wants to manipulate you with the very thing that she's criticizing. My faith, my faith tells me, but you just claim that the body of Christ is the same group of people that you're criticizing. You're, you're using the, this weaponized scripture, which nothing was scripture that she pulled up. I mean, she pulled up phrases, right? She talked about um, the rich man and the camel. And <laughs> if I had a, to- if I had a dime for every time that was used out of context to get the wrong meaning out of it, I would be that rich man. <laughs> I'll tell you this, that James one twenty seven. let me help AOC out with some scripture. James one twenty seven says that the religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this, to take care, for, to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. Let me put up another translation in case that didn't connect with you. Um, oh, let's do the KJV. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So... um. There's some scripture for her if she needed some help. 
AOC does not get to determine what's holy. We don't let the wicked, the evil, get to determine that for us. Those who do not have the spirit do not get to explain things of the spirit. So don't let the things that sound good in nature, right? Maybe things that tickle your flesh. Don't be deceived by it. Because um, the devil's got a slick tongue. But um, I just, the idea that came across, I think, our ears the other day. And I was like, oh, we should we should talk about that. Because it's important to talk about. It's important to highlight that, to see, to show you how the world will be so quick to use your language because they want to manipulate you. But like be, yeah, just be on guard of who's trying to use your own lore. Listen to the, listen to her phrasing. And then she, she threw in a little bit of emotionality. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. But imagine how tired we are. Imagine how tired we are of it. Girl, I'm tired. We're recording at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> like, And I'm sure everybody else was tired listening to you. She's so. like a case study on like how to sound like you know what you're talking about and get people emotionally riled up. And um, there is, there's this clip from the show Portlandia where Fred Armisen um, talks about something in like Venezuela um, at a party and it's a, a party of course in Portland. And so he, he says like a few like key things about this um, historical event in Venezuela and then adds like an impassioned line of swears um, to, to sound like he's got some emotion behind it. And this guy that he's talking to is like totally impressed. He tries to do the same thing at his office, right. um, but it doesn't go over well. So he goes back to Fred and he's like that thing, like, can you like teach me how you know all this stuff and how you're so up to date on the news? He's like, Oh no, 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 no. You, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know about one thing and only a few key uh, facts from that. And every time someone directs the conversation somewhere that you don't know what you're talking about, you direct it back to what you do know. So he's right. like, oh yeah, and like Greek art. And he's like, oh, you mean like in Venezuela? Ooh. <laughs> and so he teaches him how to redirect. And he's like, all right, pick out like a few facts from um, a topic that people will not know about. And he picks out, um, I, th I think it was... <sighs> somewhere uh, an Asian country where one of the dictators had like a, an altercation with someone who used to be his roommate in college, but then became a political leader. And so he just memorizes a few facts, uh, the where the two names of the men who had the altercation, one specific year, the moment that the country got independence. And then he said, add a line where it's like, you're going to swear a little bit to get put some passion behind it to make people think you really care about this topic. And so he does that. He goes back to the workplace and he talks about this little uh, country in Asia that no one knows anything about and um, gets really passionate talking about it. And everybody's like, amazing. And he's like, yeah. And so I feel like that's what I just watched when I watched her speak. <laughs> 
like a few, a few semi scriptures for like the, to make people think that she had facts or any scriptural knowledge, um, a bunch of fluff and impassioned. She can't swear probably cause she's, um, in Congress. So right. she does an impassioned sentence and finishes with that. And everybody just lets her speak. They love it. And it was a very um, captivating performance. I will say, like, if I didn't know any better, if maybe if I didn't know God, if I didn't know any better, I think I would have been like, you know, she's got a point there. Oh, if I weren't in Christ, I would be totally bamboozled. And it's interesting watching it too, just the way that I was feeling. And if anybody here is watching who is spirit filled, I feel like you will know what I'm talking about, but watching her and feeling what was in, like what was being released from that video was, um, a whole bunch of soul, just like her soul. And it felt like her soul actually felt like very pure in a way. So it could trick you into thinking this is pure in in spirit or this is God, but it's just her heart. Her heart is, is pure towards these people. She's very confused. She's, she's ignorant to be honest, but her heart is very pure and that's communicated and you can feel that. But like when you actually sense like what is of spirit and what is not, you know, that that is not the, that's not the right spirit. That's not the one you want. No, that's not the one you want. That's not the one you want. Um, if you're looking for a couple of girls to do a Bible study with, Alexandria, you know where to hit us up. Oh, you know, actually, now that you mention it, she could actually email us. <laughs> email us at happyandholico at gmail.com. Invitations open to anyone in case you're looking to do an in-depth Bible study. (laughs) AOC, here's your invitation. Come and join us for a study on holiness. We'll teach you what holy means, which we actually need to, to, I think, define briefly when it comes to this. So holy means set apart. Mm-hmm. From the induction of holiness, which, frankly, I feel like the the best intro to holiness that you really see is upon the giving of the Mosaic Law, and that is first seen in the building of the tabernacle, where instruments are set apart as holy, parts of the temple are holier than others. And they are set apart from parts that are less holy, from uh, the part where people gather outside uh, before worshiping begins. And, uh, and then, of course, really clarified even more so in Leviticus and the giving of Mosaic Law. And it is very clear that when things are not up to standard and that is physically and spiritually. So Mm -hmm. whether someone, if someone is sick or pregnant or was menstruating, 
had a skin disease, had mold in their house, like all of these things, these are physical imperfections. They are not holy. So they have to be kept away from holy things, dead bodies, unholy things. And if you touch them, you become unclean. And of course, this, this applies as well to the heart and um, to sin as well. So if you have sinned, you're unclean, you need to do a sacrifice to be made holy again, to be right in the sight of God so you can go to tabernacle. Right. So there's actually a real definition of holy. And cut to now where we have the sacrifice of Jesus that makes us holy. We are set apart because whether it was our physical or our um, emotional or whatever, whatever sin or imperfection has kept us from holiness, all of that is covered by the blood of Jesus, which was necessary to make uh, in, in Leviticus, it was necessary for blood to make those holy instruments clean. It was necessary to make a person clean again. So in order for something to be holy, Old Testament or new, blood is required. Mm. And so you cannot call something holy unless it has been set apart. One and two, there's got to be a a sacrifice to make it (laughs) holy. And unfortunately, or rather fortunately, Fortunately for us, maybe unfortunately for others, the only sacrifice that is holy, the only one that will do is the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood. Um, which is why maybe the sentiment of all, all people are holy and all people are sacred, maybe in theory or by fleshly nature, that sounds good. But as I've said before, um, those who are in Christ are exclusively his. Why is it exclusive? Because his blood made us exclusive. His blood. Blood was poured out for everyone. That's what made, because they're all valuable. He created them with value. He made, he made creation. He made man. He made woman was like, yo, that's good. That's amazing. So people are of value, but not everyone is holy. Um, That's what makes belonging to Jesus so special (laughs) because um, he poured his blood out because he thought we were worth it. And when we receive his sacrifice is what makes us set apart. And so she may have just gotten her order mixed up maybe maybe there was some good intention there but <laughs> good intention but this girl has no idea what she's talking about <laughs> and Romans 8 5 it says that only people of the spirit right can well let me let me read it because I don't like I don't like to paraphrase sometimes I do sometimes I like the edited money version but Let's read the verse. Oh. Well, let me, okay. I feel like I always defaulted a complete Jewish. Let me pick another. number. <laughs> That's so Wenny to be like, I think I'll just read from the complete Jewish. 
I'll be like, what do we have here? (laughs) It's okay. I pulled out the Jubilee, like, I think every episode so far. So I'm here for it. Um, well, the contemporary English version says everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. Um, let's do, um, (laughs) um, the passion, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual reality. And of course the complete Jewish, (laughs) but those who identify, we love that word nowadays. I identify. But those who identify with the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to hate on a King James. We love the King James, but it is many times a little bit biased and a little bit incomplete. Love it though. No, no translation is perfect. Speaking of bias and incomplete, Jamie, tell me, did you hear what Rick Warren has publicly repented for his theology on women in ministry? I did see his Instagram post and I really didn't think too much of it. Oh, I was like, Oh, well you were about 20 years too late, at least screaming. Um, would have been nice to have this commentary when purpose driven life was still a bestseller. Boy, let me tell you something. I know that's right. (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I know that's right. Purpose-driven women. (laughs) They actually did have a woman's version of that. My mom had it. It was purple. Yeah. (laughs) Purpose-driven. Mr. Warren. Well, because he has publicly come out, repented for his belief, theology, ideology on women in ministry, which he, which he says he developed that belief system from poor studying of the word. He actually even used hermeneutics says just reading from this Twitter here. So many hermeneutical rules were being violated in in his Greek studies, his four years in college and in seminary. I was doing my, and he put in quotations, due diligence, laying aside 50 years of bias. I was shocked and embarrassed. I was taught to never build a doctrine on a single word that's used only once in scripture. (laughs) so (laughs) I you said because 
because of this. I have been in error, but I do want to do this. I publicly apologize to every good woman in my life, in my church, in my ministry. I apologize that I failed to speak up. So he's apologizing to the women in his life, the women in his church, and the women in his ministry because he didn't stand up for them. He says, what grieves me is that I hindered them in obeying the Great Commission. Everyone is qualified, and he put everyone in all caps, is qualified to teach in all caps in the church. I held them back from using their spiritual gifts and their leadership skills that the Holy Spirit had sovereignly placed in them. And that breaks my heart. I am truly repentant and I'm sorry for my sin. I wish I could do it all over again. Dear Christian women, would you please forgive me? I love this. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's so humble. Oh, it's super humble. So humble. He went on to say, because he knew, he knew. He went on to say, I don't care what anyone says. Basically saying, I know I'm going to get dragged. But he literally ended the whole thing saying that we have to live for an audience of one. And basically he's saying, according to what I've studied, I know what truth is and I ignored it. And so now I'm repenting for it. Wow. I wonder when he first realized like, yo, there's something wrong here about this and the way that we're interpreting this. Well, he alluded to have no, he's known in his studies um, in seminary, studying Greek. He talked about his hermeneutics. So he's saying that he's been aware. He just, you know, it's the culture of, you know, I've been told women don't belong in ministry. So he basically, all that time, he knew he was just bowing to fear of man. Wow. And he's had enough. Well, I'm so proud of him. Um, I am grateful for this news. We love, love to see uh, humility from popular leaders. Mm-hmm. I have, every time I've seen a popular leader step out in humility and say they were wrong, I have seen them blessed. I have seen their ministry grow and their influence grow. I agree. So good on you, Rick. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing too, now that he's convicted to help women in ministry, who he will champion. I agree. Yeah, you're right. Um, the thread, the Twitter thread, which I'm just reliving my life in Twitter right now. I love that, you know, Elon made it safe to play. And so um, I've just been in the Twitterverse and I love it. Um, he did get dragged. They went after him in Twitter. But there's some good nuggets in there from the arguments And um, they were like arguing about seminary. And then somebody was like, please, let's be real. Let's not act like um, 80% of men who went to seminary had their papers written by their wives. 
No, that's facts. Yo. <sighs> they needed to be called out. And we've talked here as well how many people come out of seminary with uh, – they've lost their faith in Christ and their theology – and they no longer believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And that's the fruit of seminary. So um, you're you're not getting intelligent people coming out of that. Because if people go for that degree and they come out and they didn't stop, they didn't stop going to class, they didn't start disagreeing with teachers and they kept paying that money, you're, yes. not, you're not very bright and you're not yeah. very pretty. You're not very bright and you're not very pretty. <laughs> well, the real quote from uh, Cinderella stories, you're not very pretty and you're not very bright, but I needed to talk about their brightness first because that is dumb. Yes. yes. Well, there is your person from seminary just repenting for what he had been taught to believe and teach for 50 years. Wow. So seminary. how people re responded to his revelation? Girl, yeah, they're just, I mean, want to read some of the dumb tweets. And now for a reading of Rick Warren Twitter Roasts. Yeah. Um, let's see. So somebody said, <laughs> so theological drift, no kidding. You're just adjusting to the culture. Your beliefs and teachings must be fashionable, therefore ever-changing. This is actually not new for you, Rick. Um, Rich. <laughs> Very nasty. Well, there's a Muslim. Says I must be. I pro I'm probably the only Muslim in this thread. I extend my sympathy to my Christian brothers and sisters who watch as their leaders shred the faith to appease people who hate them. Mosques are becoming more common as time goes on. I extend an invitation to you. Um, and then someone said that was a thoughtful response, but the answer isn't for us to change our faith in Christ. The answer is to stand up against so-called leaders who seek to abandon the truth of scripture and attempt to gain acceptance from culture. All three of these people have one thing in common. They don't know how to read biblical Greek. <laughs> um, as a Christian woman, this is someone saying this just so that the podcast knows I'm not saying this. As a Christian woman, you should apologize for this false doctrine and resign immediately. Baby girl, there have been people, there have been women preaching in the church without your approval for a very long time. In fact, oh. from the beginning of the church, perhaps take several seats. Several. Take, take mine too. <laughs> Since I'll be standing at the pulpit now. Um, Rick, this has nothing to do with honoring God or his kingdom. You're conforming to culture and you're building a case for it. What Jesus taught and modeled is simple. The audience of one you seem to be playing to is yourself. That's not the truth, Ellen. And then the last sentence says, Humble yourself before God. <laughs> Bro, that's what just happened. Mr. has never humbled themselves in their life, so doesn't know what that looks like. This sounds familiar. Kind of pharisaical. 
By what authority do you challenge the teachings of St. Paul? By what authority do you seek the overturn to seek to overturn the plain and obvious meaning of the New Testament? The answer is this. You don't have authority. I, I'm not making it up. These people are literally tweeting us. She, and it was a woman, by the way. It says the answer is you don't have the authority. Oh, my God. Girl, you shouldn't even be speaking according to your own theology. Literally. Don't you address a man? How dare you? Did your husband let you have a phone? Why would he do that? You must not be in the South. <laughs> um, what is happening? Um, <laughs> yo, people are nasty. And how has the church responded to this? Well, these this is the church. Um, someone said... <laughs> someone said, this is a very much purpose-driven apology. Okay, I'll give them that. That was a really good comment. I mean, like, I don't agree with it, but it was quality. Someone said, sure, you've read 70 commentaries and 100 books, but there's only one book that matters here. Man, people are just miserable. And half of them are women. These people, see, they shouldn't have had time for this because they should have been studying biblical Greek. Yes. And then they wouldn't have time to be leaving all these comments. Oh my gosh. Some people really can't read. Okay, this is the last one I'll read. Hermeneutics matters. And whatever hermeneutic he's using is the same one that will lead him to his affirmation of other downstream ideologies. And he put in parentheses, gay mirage. And then he closed parentheses and he said, it's inevitable. And... Brian Henrik says, yep, guaranteed. Oh my God. Rick Warren believes he's the first man in more than 2000 years of church history to discover the true intention of the Holy Spirit regarding the role of women. This is a wolf flee from his church. Oh my God. Ooh, he he got a may God have mercy on your soul tweet. Oh no. Okay, I promise you the last one. You, you, comma, dear Mr. Warren, are one messed up preacher and teacher. Period. Your highest affections are not for the word of God, comma but for the social gospel of the word of culture, comma, which based on the whims of women and the might of men, may God have mercy on your soul. Let me just look at this guy's profile picture as he's hugging his woman. This is, this is what the guy looks like. 
That woman is a... She's trapped. She has Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> we should send a rescue team. This has been a reading of Rick Warren Twitter Roasts. May God have mercy on your What I think is really interesting is we have seen from these commenters where intellect separates them from spirit and truth. And with the AOC video, we saw where a good intention, but an emotional response, emotions led away from spirit and truth. So you can be led astray by both. And I think that we need to acknowledge that because I think so long in the church, people have thought that emotional people or uh, responses are what lead people to stray from the truth in scripture. But intellect absolutely has been not just just as much uh, as a culprit, but way more. Way more. When people have over-intellectualized things and and exchange a bunch of knowledge for wisdom. Knowledge. Yeah. Oof. Blech. Yeah. And Read I think first two, I'm so sorry. I, I just I just no, realized for this. It. um but I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. That's exactly what the occult is. It's like hidden knowledge. Like occult means hidden knowledge. It's like an excessive knowledge, but that knowledge actually strays people from God and it gets them into lesser truths and lesser realities of the world. And for all of this information, they lack true connection to God and they lack truth yes. and they yes. lack the right spirit and so I, I think in this case sometimes um too much of this kind of knowledge you're selling yourself short in uh what could be real wisdom weighty wisdom simple wisdom yes. for a bunch of lesser realities and yes. those lesser realities will stray you from god from his heart and from his spirit Every time it'll stray you away from God mm-hmm. because man's wisdom is not heaven's wisdom. Um, there is an earthly wisdom, you know, people are like, what's that guru, Gandhi, whatever, earthly wisdom. It's not divine wisdom being one of the seven spirits, one of the many spirits of God. Um, Paul even had to preach against man's wisdom. Man's wisdom will not sustain you. It'll maybe help you in your business. Not so much as your relationship with God. There are only things that can be revealed to you through wisdom and revelation. That's why you need the word and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Going back to AOC with using cut and paste phrases of the word, not having the spirit. And as reading this Twitter thread, lots of word, 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 no spirit. And spirit and truth, obviously not the flesh and the feelings. As we've talked about before, your flesh cannot please God. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and we can't confuse flesh. When people say flesh, they're like, oh, but I'm not sinful. I, my flesh has been cut off. Blah, 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 blah. We're talking about your carnal nature. Your carnal nature is what connects you to man's wisdom. In your flesh, you cannot please God. You know why? Because your flesh is is relying on you. Your flesh is what the only things that you can perceive through your senses. Mm. That's your flesh. That's your carnal nature. Your carnal nature is not your sinful nature. In Christ, your sinful nature has been put to death on the cross. Mm. However, you're still human. A human with a soul that has a spirit inside of a body. Mm -hmm. That's so good. The reason why your flesh cannot please God is because in order for your flesh in order for you to dive into your flesh means that you're abstaining from God. If you rely on your five senses, you're telling God, I don't need you. So um, the news flash for that is that just because your flesh cannot please God does not mean that your flesh cannot please man, which is why a lot of people get confused because they get the applauses from man and you think you're pleasing God but your flesh can't please him your flesh is corruptible your spirit is not mm -hmm. your spirit is your the actual DNA inside of you your spirit that is the part of you that is like God that's what you want to connect with so if you rely on your flesh, you're limiting yourself. Hmm. Why would you want to limit yourself? You're a supernatural being. Stop being dumb. Don't just settle. You're supernatural. Supernatural. Co-seated in heavenly places. You have one foot here and one foot there. That's a long stretch, but let me tell you. You got to receive it by faith. Mm-hmm. It's not normal, the life that we live, so stop trying. The minute you received Christ, you became a supernatural being. Why? Because you were born again. Do you remember going back into your mother's womb? It's because you didn't. It was supernatural. And I think anyone who has been through a water baptism can attest to the difference they have felt and experienced afterwards. Um, and for all the people who say it's a symbol, anybody who's been through it knows that it's they come out different. Why is that? Because what happened did not just happen in the four physical dimensions that are measurable. What happened when you were baptized happened simultaneously in the, the spirit and the spirit part of dimensions that you cannot see. It happened in your emotions as well. So there, what you can actually sense the, the physicality of the world, what is measurable time, height, weight, uh, depth, those four measurable dimensions, that was not all that happened. And if you've been through that, you know that there's something that is immeasurable that happened and you're on the other side of that feeling the effects of what happened in the dimensions you can't measure. Mm. 
So when you, you live your life, remember that those dimensions that you experienced a, a result of something happening within that space that is available to you all the time because you are a spirit being with a soul living in a physical body. And there is only one part of that equation that's actually measurable in the physical. And this book is about the whole thing. So one, one third of you is measurable. Why would you go off of what is one third of your being. That's not even half of you. It's a third. There's two thirds of you that are not measurable. And one of those thirds, uh, which is probably significantly bigger than the other two and grows the more you feed it, your spirit, that part of you contains the fullness of God. So why would you go off of the measurable dimensions when two thirds of you are immeasurable and one of those thirds contains the fullness of God. The absolute fullness. Um, I mentioned before about first Corinthians. First Corinthians is one of my favorite. Well, first Corinthians one is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible that talks about God's wisdom. And basically Paul has been like, listen, any other type of wisdom is a flop. Mm-hmm. And okay, I won't. I won't digress because in okay, maybe I will digress. In First Corinthians one, like fifteen, that's when Paul says, like the whole like, who cares who you were baptized by? He's like, I don't even remember baptizing half of you. And then he's like, okay, I did baptize that one guy, and then like a like a couple of others, but like, but I don't remember any of that. The rest of y'all, I could never. I don't know you. Don't at me. But so he says, da, 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 da. okay, first Corinthians 117. He says, For the Messiah did not send me to immerse, but to proclaim the good news and to do it without relying on wisdom. And he put it in quotations that consists of a mere r- rhetoric, so that it's not to rob not to rob the Messiah's execution stake of its power execution stake is has been the complete jewish's favorite way of saying cross because it's not just the cross it was he was executed on our behalf for the message about the execution stake is nonsense to those who are in the process of being destroyed but to us In the process of being saved, it is the power of God. It says, indeed, the Tanakh says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and frustrate the the intelligence of the intelligent. And so, um, of course, we don't have enough episodes in the world to intently dissect the theology behind women in ministry. Of course, we will take an episode. (laughs) Just won't be this one. But um, just the idea of how many people are so upset because they feel like their intelligence was attacked just because one man said, I repent for thinking wrongly. 
There might be a measuring test, a measuring test that's happening, but the measuring test is not of Bibles. Oof. Moving on. Speaking of big cojones. Uh-huh. Jamie. Yes, my love. I've been excited to talk about this one. Tell me. Did you hear? Uh-huh. One of the top streamers in the world. His name is Nick Merckx. Was canceled um, over the weekend by a gaming company called Activision who took it upon themselves to fight the good fight of the LGBT. How valiant. Oh, yeah. And so brave. So brave. So this happened in Glendale, California. Some parents were upset because they're like, stop bringing this agenda to our schools. We don't want you talking about this to our children. And why there were pro demonstrators at a school, it's kind of weird, whatever have you. (laughs) So the video surfaces on Twitter and it's like these two parents, I mean, these two groups of people, parents versus pedophiles. Um, These two groups of people get into a brawl, videos caught, put up on Twitter. Nick Merckx, this, this streamer, he's, it's just so cool. He's such a king for this, okay? He just tweets and he goes, they should just leave the children alone. That's the real issue. That's all he said. One little sentence. No one even caught it, okay? No one even, people in Twitter, on Twitter were not even like, what do you mean, they? What do you mean? Leave the children alone. No, the Hoot and Nannies at Activision were like, hmm. Before this turns into something really dangerous, let's be the good guys. And uh, let's let's be an ally. And in our good ally fashion, let's cancel them. That's a good idea. In the cancelization, I'm not sure if they know the definition of backfired, but if you were to look in the dictionary, there would be the symbol of Activision because this backfired so hard. And now Call of Duty is being canceled because what they underestimated is the power, is the power of, um, a misogynist community of video game players who like to shoot people. (laughs) There's a lot of dads who like that game. Anyway, so Nick Merckx was canceled by Call of Duty. Therefore, Call of Duty players and fans then canceled Call of Duty for canceling Nick Merckx. So, and Call of Duty probably would have gotten away with it if the biggest streamers in the world didn't stand behind Nick Merckx, one of which being 
Dr. Disrespect. He's so fine. I dearly love. Don't go looking this man up now. I'm not condoning. I'm not condoning his dreams. I'm just telling you. I love this man. But, um, yeah, biggest streamers in the world had his back. And time and time again, I think that the allies and the groomers and the pedophiles and oh my, I think they keep um, they keep underestimating the fact that they are the minority. I think they think they're the majority. I think that they have created a narrative that makes them think that they're the majority, even to themselves. (laughs) Even to themselves. Well, it has not been fun. And um, this is one thing that they, that they really underestimated is the fact that Nick Merckx, the most beautiful thing about the whole tweet that he sent was that after seeing that, I'm sorry, hold on. The greatest thing about the tweet is that Nick Merckx recently became a father. And I think parenting, becoming a parent, becoming a guardian, being responsible for a little one changes your perspective on things. And he saw things through a different lens. And he thought about that situation. And he thought about if I was a parent and if I was there, would I be upset? And he thought about it. And he was like, yeah, because he said, I should be the one having those conversations with my son, with my child, whatever have you. And um, same thing with Dr. Disrespect. Like he didn't even have to think twice about it. He was like, Call of Duty, you're wrong. I'm uninstalling this game and I'm not playing this game until you apologize to Nick Merckx. Well, Dr. Disrespect is also a parent. And so not to mention that the whole brawl included parents. Are we underestimating the fact that people actually care about their kids? Like, do these people think that these parents are okay with their kids being sexualized? Like, I'm so sorry to tell you, we all still think that's gross. It's gross. I don't care. Well, I I do care who is dancing in front of a kid as far as their gender and what they're doing, because that's they're impressionable. But that being said, I don't want any sexy dancing in front of a kid or done by a kid, whatever gender is doing it or whatever they're dressed up as, whatever the kids dressed up as. Ew. Ew. And I think it's really nasty that they were like canceling him for talking about children. Like they've really shown their cards here because if it was like, Oh, like something about adult gays, it would be different. And I could see them doing it and them feeling like they were in the right. But how do you justify it when it's like the comment was made directly about children and the comment that they canceled him for was the one directly about children. Right. Like, okay, just say it, just say it, just say you are a disgusting pedophile. Like don't play like this is about gay rights. Just say 
what you really want so that we can put you in prison. (laughs) Tell us your true intentions so we can just lock you up. Just incriminate yourself. I mean, they really have. They have incriminated themselves. I'm shocked that they haven't been collected and imprisoned already. I think they're trying. The most ironic thing about this whole situation is the standard that Call of Duty thinks that they have as if we don't know what the lobbies sound like. Like, that's the that's the whole running joke about Call of Duty and their lobbies. They're disgusting. The way that people talk about each other, the derogatory terms, the things that they say. You've obviously have never been in your own lobby and it shows. And it shows. And it shows for you to be upset at a father who wants to protect little kids. To which no one made it about that until they made it about that. Mm -hmm. As you were saying, Nick's whole tweet was saying they should just leave the little kids out of it. The video was about pro and anti in front of a school. So his reference was to the kids. He could have been saying anything. He could have been like, leave the kids out of the fight. Because I heard that some kids were doing some pretty messed up stuff, like on both sides. Um, But like, that's almost like when a parent gets in an argument with another parent and then the little kid starts jumping in and they're just like, no, no, they'll have the kids involved. All that to say. You made it about that when you tried to cancel him. Anyway, so there's a famous saying (laughs) by a person whom I don't know it belongs to. I do not know who this quote belongs to, but you cannot cancel what is uncancelable. And so in this moment, Nick Marks was kind of untouchable and we're okay with it. Let's protect him at all costs. If we're going to talk about the LGBT, I think it's time to mention The Chosen. All right. Let's unpack this bag. (laughs) Uh, This is my favorite thing to Google. You can start off Google by saying... You can start typing in Google, why are people mad at, and it just fills in the blank. Ooh, I need to try this. Mine mine said Target right away. (laughs) Mine says Target first, then, then Bud Light, then Disney, then Nike, then the Dodgers, then Walgreens, then Hogwarts Legacy. Pause. Walgreens? Yeah, no, that one I'm not sure about. Okay, protest was due to upset over Walgreens' decision to not sell abortion pills after conservative-led states warned pharmacy dispensing companies not to. People have also taken to social media to express their upset over this decision that was announced Thursday, March 2nd. So it looks like I'm shopping at Walgreens. (laughs) Glad to know it. Glad to know it. They do have a really great selection, and they're one of my favorite 
generic brands. Like if you are a generic brand girly and whenever you go to the drugstore and you're getting like generic versions of the drugs that you take or use or the face wash, Walgreens generics are just better than other generics drugstore wise. I like that. Good to know. Yeah. Now you know. Well, the chosen people have been calling for the boycott of the chosen because um, some BTS photos have shown um, glimpses and images of pride flags attached to the attire of the cast and the crew. Um, One in particular who I don't care to name, but um, Dallas's whole point was that this is an independent contractor. But anyway, people are just like, why are we promoting the pride flag on set when this is supposed to be a series, a film, a production about Jesus? Okay. So yeah, a lot of people have, um, a lot of people have been mad and a lot of people have defended this because their claim is like, he's just doing his job and they just needed to hire someone who was good at the job of what, what was his job? Like camera operator, something like that. Yeah. She's just carrying a camera. So to some extent it doesn't, you know, it doesn't play as big of an impact as say, if it were, a director, a writer, even an actor. Um, and so that that is kind of, for those that are not convicted to stop watching the show, that's somewhat comforting. Um, <laughs> but we've not liked the show since before this was brought to our attention. No. So we have other commentary um, outside of this issue on the show. But I, I will say that I I do think it is really difficult to have a pure and truthful environment when um and especially when you're trying to communicate truths that Jesus spoke when you are not when you're working with people who have a different idea of what love or holiness or truth looks like. Hmm. It I do think unfortunately there's no way it didn't affect something. I will read their tweet says just like this is the tweet that's addressing everybody being like, yo boycott the chosen says just like with our hundred of cast and crew who have different beliefs or no beliefs at all. It says in the tweet, We will work with anyone on our show who will help us portray or honor the authentic Jesus. We ask that the audience let the show speak for itself, focus on the message, not the messenger, because we will always let you down. First of all, me or you or or anyone who is devoted to walking in holiness Yes, we will likely not be perfect all of the time. But in that, we are repenting and aligning and getting back on track. And someone who believes that 
a lifestyle of sin is okay, there's a very different story. And not not that uh, there's there's something I I understand when you need to hire someone because they were the best their job, but when it comes to this particular sin, I gotta pull out scripture. Because I've seen this, I've seen this happen on sets. I've seen this happen in businesses, and I've seen this happen in cultures where, because the fruit of the sin is very different than of others. So, unfortunately, we do have to look at it differently, um, or maybe not. Not unfortunately, but. To, to those who identify as this, it's it's pretty serious as to what this door opens up. Yes. So starting in Romans, uh, I guess I'll start in 24. Mm. Um, oh, I could start in 22. Claiming to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served their creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, mm. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. So really, you could just, you could clip that. Um, Fill in the blank. Yeah, absolutely. So really from verse 26 through 30 end of 31 you're seeing what this sin opens you up to it opens you up to a debased mind uh-huh. to even more of the evil that someone's gotten themselves into and i think not me using the word unfortunately three billion times this podcast i'm gonna stop people who know those who identify this as who they are i have seen that these sins are really prominent in their lives especially how people will even tell you like, Oh, gay men, they're bitchy. They're gossipy. Uh And it's right here. They're full of envy, gossip, slanderers, haters of God. 
it's a, a sin that opens the door to in a mind that doesn't have an anchor. Yes. And you're your conscience as you've, you, you've mentioned that before. Yeah. And promiscuity, like is there promiscuity within the, the bounds of male and female doesn't open you up to a debased mind. Yes, it opens you up. It opens up sin doors, absolutely. And we're not making light of that sin, but it doesn't open this door to this much depravity. Mm. So there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, as far as representatives of the LGBT onset, and you're just kind of like, whatever, they just work for me. You know, he's like, we have all different types of people who work for me. But what's your code of conduct? Like, what do you, what do you believe? What do you, who do you want to represent you? He's like, well, I just, we just want to put out a good product and we'll use anybody to put out a good product. I'm not sure. Ultimately, right. You just want to glorify the Lord. I would hope. And for you, I think the end result is your most important thing. Like you're just focused on the destination, bypassing the whole journey. I'm not surprised because I know that the actors he's chosen, um, you know, in the beginning I was like, oh, that's interesting. He didn't get Christian actors. Okay. Um, but he felt like it was not necessary. So if you don't have Christian actors, why should you have a Christian crew? I get it, but it's all about the representation of who you, who do you want like involved. The example I gave to you on the phone, Jamie was like, I was managing a coffee shop. It was a Christian coffee shop managed by a church. And so just because it was a Christian coffee shop, does that mean that I could only have Christian baristas? No. But I actually hired some um, gay baristas. I was like, what's the politically correct term? But actually, I hired some gay baristas, and one of them turned out great. One of them was not so great. Um, at the end of the day, I just cared if they made good coffee. But it also was important to me, like, how good of a employee they were, not because if they were gay but were you a good employee? And so um, I'm not here to critique the fact that you hired somebody who wasn't Christian. I'm not worried about that. But I wouldn't have had my employee wearing a t-shirt with the, with the flag on it, with the pride flag on it, because there has to be a code of conduct. We're not, we don't care if you, whatever, whoever you have work for you, but it was the representation of the flag. Um. I think he should make better decisions. And I know uh, Candace Owens was like, oh, if you think you should boycott the the chosen, then you're small-minded. I don't think that's fair. I think people should have the right to boycott what they want to boycott. You can't get behind us if we're like, no target, and then be mad at us when we say no chosen. So um, the only thing I'll say about the chosen, the only thing I'll say is this. 
You give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves, right? We called it from the beginning. The Chosen was sus. I always felt like Dallas Jenkins was sus. This is not a I told you so moment. This is just when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And he's been telling us since the beginning. And he was too focused on the human nature of God than he was on the Son of Man being the Son of God. And so I'm not surprised. That's why I sat back. I stayed really quiet. I have a lot of friends who love the Chosen. Whatever. But you gave them enough rope and they hang themselves. Literally it. I think that's interesting too. Like you were saying how Dallas was focused on showing the human nature of God. And we just talked about how when you judge with your flesh, with your carnal part, you're going to Mm -hmm. miss truth. And what has happened here is he set his intention, not on the spirit, but on, on human humanity. And in that he made human fleshly choices. And when he made those fleshly choices, he chose the actors he chose and he chose the team that he chose. And that team, what do they also value? Emotions. Mm -hmm human things. And so really like uh, that's really the the big meaning behind everything we're saying. Either you're driving towards the spirit or you're driving towards the physical world and your human nature. Mm-hmm. And if even if the director at the helm of a boat was like I'm driven towards the spirit and everyone else was driven towards the flesh, you're going to have a lot of problems. Dallas, I think, has has some spirit direction, although he has set his mind to direct it intentionally towards the, the human part of the story. And in that, chose people who shared those values. And so you've got a, a ship that started heading towards the spirit um, and kind of hit like guided along the coast for a second in in season one and then switched off to a direct uh journey straight into the humanistic side of the story if they're way off the deep end way off and so this this person um is just one of probably many that are directing it um, in that nature, just by volume of people, <laughs> a certain volume of people on set who have a certain goal, it's going to change everything. And I've been on right. sets where like one person has ruined an entire shoot just because they weren't on board with the concept. Let's wow. let's just talk about this for a second because I've I've worked on set and I know what happens when everyone's not on board with the concept. If not everyone is on board with the concept, the work suffers. And if one person's role suffers, everybody's job looks worse. So I've been on shoots where like literally the hairstylist was just bad. Like they're just bad at their job. None of us could use any of the footage, any of the images from the shoot because the hair made everything look cheap. Even though the makeup was good, even if the model was cast well, even if the stylist was great, even if the action was um, done with um, sincerity the whole shoot was a wash because the hair was bad. And that's one person. 
that's one person on a set that's that's you know even on a a set of seven to ten people one person takes it out and and in this case obviously the the shoot is a lot bigger and i've been on bigger shoots as well and and let me tell you a hairstylist a bad hairstylist can ruin a tv show it can can ruin a whole season of a show as uh those of you who saw gilmore girls season two can attest that hairstylist did take that season down um (laughs) one one week link will make all of the work lesser for everyone it's it's actually interesting because if there's one week link it'll ruin a whole shoot but if everyone's on board and I've seen when this happens, it's almost like it's like a, seeing a shooting star. It's like once in a million when everyone on set is on board with the project and is genuinely excited about it, is good at what they do, and they are really giving their all and they have they're set towards one purpose and they all agree on what they're shooting for, whether it's like aesthetically or or even deeper than that. The shoot comes together. It looks amazing. Um, And those are the shoots that end up the ones that people remember, the ones that end up in the best magazines, the ones that people put in their portfolio for years to come because every piece makes a difference in a work of art. And, And anybody who's ever worked on a film set or a photo set will tell you that this is true. So if you go on a film set and there's somebody there that's not down with the concept, that actually is enough to take a whole project down. Right. So we're not just talking out of our butts here. (laughs) We have experience. We, we know some things. We're just, this is not just us. We ain't sipping the haterade. I know yeah. she's sipping, but <laughs> no haterade here. This is genuine H2O. <laughs> I don't even mess with that propel. Keeping it in the safe zone. Well, this is, this might be a good place to land. Yeah, let's do it. Let's land the plane. Oh, but before we land... Yes. I just have one brief. Did you know? Tell me. So um, I have checked in on our good friend, Lou Engel. Louie. As far as I know. Okay. He broke fast 18 days ago. There has been no new word of a new fast. Some Some great communion revival. So he's taking communion. For sure, but it is entirely possible that for the last 18 days, Lou Engel has been eating. Okay, Lou, we like it. And we'll this have is, to ask him what's been on the menu. And this is great news for his followers because if Lou's eating, if Lou is eating, there is a really good chance that for 18 days, the people who follow Lou have also been eating. And by now, if it's 18 days, they've been eating solid food. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to say. 
That's all I had to tell Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Thanks for that update. I needed to know. Yeah. It's important news. I have some friends in his circle and, you know, I'm tired of inviting people out to lunch who can't. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you, you need I'm to know out. when they're going to be hangry or not. I mean, it's important. Also, you know, I don't want to dishonor you if you're like fasting and I'm like, oh, you want to go get some tacos? I can't wait to get tacos again. <laughs> I know a place. <laughs> Guys, thanks for checking out Happy and Holy. We love that you're here. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, share, do all the things. Apple Music. Nope. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Google, Spotify. I do it every time. Wherever podcasts are listed, there we will be. Thanks mm-hmm. for checking us out. Head to the website. Please check out all the things. Be on the lookout for the merch. Mm-hmm. We'll have it all listed. Comment. Let us know that you've stopped by. Mm-hmm. We like seeing you guys. And again, if this is your first time watching and you're like, what's with the girl who's whispering and why is she in front of a sheet? I am not <laughs> at my normal location. I am traveling. And Jamie is holding down the fort. Mm-hmm. So until next time, guys, we love you. Thanks for being here. Be happy. Stay holy. Mm-hmm. This is my dove. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do like a, a be happy thing and then a stay holy thing. But, you know, we'll figure it out some. This could be, be our thing. If, if you're on YouTube, this will be our thing for our happy and holy, uh, for our happy and holy tribe. Yeah, if you see us in the streets, that's the handshake. <laughs> <laughs> You'll like it's like some hand game with kids. I don't know. All right. Love you guys. <laughs> Bye.